the injudicious ramblings of Andre and Gary. Yeah. Oh, okay, I thought you were going to say starting now. No. Because I refuse to repeat my cherry good day to all the folks out there in podcast land. <laughs> Dude, today, okay, Gary, put seven minutes on the clock. I have determined that I read so many books, um, some of which are, not all of them, not all of which are pornographic. <laughs> and I can actually talk about some of them on this show. So, like, I guess once every couple of weeks, I'm going to highlight one of the books that we've read. So put seven minutes on the clock. Only seven minutes I'm going to talk about this, right? This book is called Lockdown High. Okay. When the Schoolhouse Becomes a Jailhouse. It's by Annette Fuentes. And what this lady, she did an excellent job, is talking about the school-to-prison pipeline um, that we currently have, the fact that schools are more closely resembling jails. Um, are they? They are. They are. Let me give you some examples. Um, just opens a book, um, telling about an 11th grader at Tilden High School in Brooklyn, January 2007, who stayed after class to talk to his math teacher one morning and was a little late to walk into chemistry class. The school's, uh, the school's assistant principal for security, which I didn't know at school, they didn't have those in my day, but they all do now, I hear, um, tried to block the student and ordered him to detention room for being late during school. Right? No, that's the first problem there is that I would have thought you'd have some book to my detention after school. But no, you're going to deprive him of class for being late. <laughs> Which is, oh, that's, it's brilliant. Right, fantastic. We need not go into the, um. And some kids would probably prefer that in the first I would, place. I would vastly have preferred that <laughs> in my, um, days. Anyway, the, the, the student tried to explain why he was late and he didn't want to miss chemistry, but the vice principal for, the assistant principal for security wouldn't have it. He called in an officer to arrest him. Long story short, the student was slammed on his head without, resi- um, without resisting in the middle of, um, on a column in the middle of the doorway. He was sprayed with mace and seven officers were called for and they arrested the 17-year-old boy, took him to jail, stayed 24 hours and was booked on five charges. Right? And then he got suspended for four days. Um, there's another school. Um, the affluent Lower Merion School District in Philadelphia, gave laptops to each of its 1,800 high school students. Um, in November 2009, Harrington's high school student, Blake J. Robbins, was reprimanded by his assistant principal for improper behavior in his home. In his home. Because apparently they were filming students with the cameras and the laptops. I remember that. Yep, that one was big. Um, there's another one. Um, in Harold, Texas... A sleepy farm town where the total student population for all grades is about 100 and the crime rate is zero. The local board decided that its teachers could now come to school armed. That happened in 2008. The, the, the teachers can be armed? Yes, they can come to school armed. The, in mobile Alabama, are, they having, are they having problems? No, they weren't having problems. It was just the students. They just decided the teachers come to school armed. <laughs> uh, mobile Alabama. Why, um, the district attorney had a brainstorm. Why not create a, com- a computer database of public school students most likely to end up in prison? So thought crimes, right? So <laughs> in no time, the DA had fingered more than 900 students as potential criminals based on the number of days they were absent or times they were suspended. The DA boasted to the press, I can tell you by name, address, and phone number the names of the future criminals of this county. Before they are in the juvenile justice system and before they are in the criminal justice system. Okay, so what, are they arresting them before they actually commit a crime then? Because well, it just be, it could be just statistical modeling, although he, since he's a principal, he's probably... Uh, but that is not. wrong. But I mean, whether, no, they haven't committed any crimes, but just the fact that you're profiling and, and you're doing that is wrong. Right, right. It, and and then the fact that people have that information, you have a discriminatory database right. at your fingertips, so people and, and then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because yes. you're treating them as a criminal before yes. they're a and, criminal. And that is the whole thing about this book is that you're starting the school to prison pipeline, where because you, as you said, you, to make you made the point extremely well. Um, so go further with this. We have the community. I mean, and this book is this book just has so much information. But one thing I'm going to highlight: the community, the community education 
partners, right? Is a model that is being um, implemented more and more of our nations. In a, I mean, more cities in the nation. Um, see, they contract with, with public districts in Houston, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Richmond, and Orlando. Um, and they run alternative schools for students grades 6 to 12 who have been suspended for behavioral problems. And most of the students are academically failing, and of course, the vast majority are African American Latino, right? So they spend about 120 to 180 days in the program, far typical in excess of the typical 10 day suspensions public schools impose on misbehaving students. The Orlando CP gets about 8,000. Um, 8,865 per pupil, which is double the district's course. Philadelphia CEPs, they get 13,000 per pupil, which is twice their um, district's course, right? Well, it's almost twice. Because they say we charge more, we're a premium product. Despite the fact that they're a premium product, it has been shown in many studies that the students regress actually, right, when they are um, in the CEP, right, which is um, Dr. Tom Kello, an evaluation specialist for Houston schools. In 1999, said after they did a study that was commissioned by the superintendent um, of the district, what I found is that the longer students stayed, the worse their performance. And this is also found by Carl Shaw um, from the Texas Education Agency's Assessment Committee and head of student testing in a different separate study. All right? And, you know, it, it, as I said, this is, but it is a very big moneymaker because these CAP schools are private and they make tons of money. I mean, and they, let me tell you, the initial investors of the CEP, um, one of them, um, is the, his name is Bill McInnes, formerly of the Hospital Corporation of America, Tom Beasley, founder of the Corrections Corporation of America. So he is getting really involved. <laughs> he is, listen, 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 this, the supply of, of prisoners, of prison fodder isn't enough in society. Let me put a hand in at the lowest level and stir them up and get that pipeline rigid. Right? right? All, no cracks in the pipeline. Um, you know, and they're backed now by many, um, by private equity firms, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, is it too late? Is it, you know, it's not a stretch to say that pretty soon we're going to see Goldman Sachs involved in it. <laughs> but the point, but this is an excellent book. As I said, Lockdown High by Annette Fuentes. How the schoolhouse becomes a jailhouse. And it just tells you, like, um, you know, it speaks about the privatization of all public services. <laughs> is that seven? That's seven minutes? Yeah. Well, see, I was wrapping up. Right. But be aware. They, the last point I was going to make is that many, um, they have many areas, districts have resisted these schools. Um, but when people are aware and educated, they resist the, um, the influence of those, of those schools in their districts and they protest and they don't, you know. But where there is no protest and where the citizenry isn't informed, then the school comes and takes root and I put a substantial amount of taxpayer the, the, money. The for-profit institutions. Mm-hmm. Everything has to be for-profit in the United States. Every year. Everything. Yeah. Especially the schools. Especially, and especially, you know, well, not, and, it is not, and it's the privatization of the privatization of profits, right? And the socialization of the negative of failures, right? Of the negative effects. So that money flows into the coffers of some private entity and some individuals more specifically. But this is, the tax is being paid by all of us and, you know, the cost in society. Well, so, so if we're going to have uh, privatized public schools, <laughs> which would no longer be public then, uh, which goes then to the privatized public jail system, mm-hmm. um, that means we need to have a privatized police force. <laughs> it will only and, be right. And, and so you will only be able to get your protection if you pay the police. It's kind of a... That would only be it's right. Kind, it's kind of a, a little... Um, what's that called? Oh, a mafia... Yeah. Mafioso a racket. That is what it's coming to, right? And I'm glad to say, Gary, pursuing <laughs> to that goal, the police force appears to be mostly privatized, and as fact, in as much as they act in the interest of the private, um, of the of the you know the private of the private the wealthy as an economy and the right. wealthy, but they're being paid by the public. So <laughs> it is not too long to you know it's not too not too far from now. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you don't want to you want to arrest a. Uh, upstanding member of society who is making lots of money and and 
gives all the appearances that he's actually paying your salary when in fact he's going through the tax breaks and not actually paying your salary. That is true. <laughs> that is, that is, a, that is, you know what, that is so poignant that they, they're not really even paying the tax. <laughs> Well, this guy pays my salary. Actually, no, he doesn't. No, sir, he probably <laughs> pays. Well, it, in point of fact, he probably does <laughs> because he's paying a little extra to get that that extra kick. And, and we did see how um, Wall Street made a four million. One of the firms in Wall Street made a four million dollar donation to the New York Police Force. It was it was a during um, Occupy Wall Street or a couple of months before Occupy Wall Street. Oh yeah, they had given four million, four point two million. That was a big story during that time. But but pepper spray, I imagine. (laughs) Much of it (laughs) invested. Went went into so-called non-lethal forms of repression. (laughs) And and as Megyn Kelly on Fox News said, it's just a vegetable bite. It is, yeah. Well, she she probably uses it in her faux. (laughs) Right. Um, So, you know what? The one thing that this week jumped out at me, actually this morning I was reading, American Airlines bankruptcy, right? So the Carrion parent company filed for Chapter 11 protection. The lead-off from... This is the lead-off. This is why they went bankrupt. The pair... And I quote the um, author, right? This is from Huffington Post. I don't know where they stole it from. Right. Or, <laughs> or how they altered it. Right? But they... Um, but you, but we, know, we do know that they probably didn't pay for this content the parent company of american airlines filed for bankruptcy protection tuesday seeking relief from crushing debt caused by high fuel prices and expensive labor contracts that it competitors shed years ago so apparently now whenever your company is failing it is due it is because of high labor contracts that is a common thread now right in the public sphere uh, sphere you and of course later in the article they were talking about of course they need to dump of course this is the the um, author of the article talking about that the business would probably need to dump pensions etc cetera, etc cetera. Right? Oh, right so you owe no fealty well you know all those contracts you sign to pay employees pensions that has no enforceability in the world of um you know in, in, in corporations apparently we as a, as an individual you should pay a debt as a corporation, by the way, they still have $4 billion in assets, etc., right? And they were being lauded by some, um, you know, some, some expert commentators in the situation. They were being lauded that they, um, before, that they made this move before the $4 billion ran out. And what I would think is that if you're going to go, if you're going to file in bankruptcy, you would pay those pensions and, oblig- and other obligations that you have to pay. No, it no, no, no. Shouldn't that be part of bankruptcy? I, you, you. <laughs> well, I, I know. Well, that's the whole thing. Is uh, there? There was a couple of articles in uh, last couple of weeks about pensions and how they they basically use the pensions to increase their their profits. Of course, yes. Because, and, yeah. and so because they did that, uh, because the the fucking bean counters. Uh, that would that would be the the people who went through and got business degrees and accounting degrees mm-hmm. and then saw this big pile of money there. Well, guess what? Big pile of money. That's not your money, you ignorant fucking accountants. Much like Social Security, the government consistently borrows from Social Security right. and then claims that the debt is making everything go, no, go wrong. No, but but then claims that when we're trying to fix the debt, that we need to fix Social Security, right. which is actually buoying up. The rest of the American economy. Right. right? Yeah. We don't have to fix Social Security. What you have to fix are the idiots who keep on dipping into it. Exactly. You're the same people who stole from your from your mom's uh, money drawer or piggy bank or wherever kept the same money. I don't know what happened to it. So you can have your little fucking candy. I'm a little I'm a little bitter today. I I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame the allergy drugs it I'm sits, on. It sits well on you. What it I do it. like about um, these articles, and I, I don't, I only do this when I, um, I'm feeling too happy and I feel the need to bring myself back down to earth by, you know, remembering how many how the earth is infested with people, with idiots and people who are, <laughs> you know, who are rigorously ad, ad, adherent to principles that are not supportive of their self interest. But um, you know, you look at the comments. You look at the comments that people make after they read the story, 
and you, oh. <laughs> you, you just hey, well that's that's enough to completely lose all uh faith in humanity that's what i'm saying i had none to begin with but it made me reinvest in my faith in humanity and god and then reassess myself again and then have none you know by the way do you know how much um the ceo was paid last year of the sam company so what do you know how much the CEO of this company was paid last year? Which well, which company? American Airlines, the one that's going on. Oh, now. probably in the millions of dollars. And and they lo- yeah they because and they lost a lot of money last year, of course. You got a bonus though. He paid four point two million. He made four point two million dollars last year, right? No, yeah, not a bad sum of money for um, losing money. You go through these comments here, and I would see the majority of them. The ma- I, I don't the, ma- the majority I would say right the, a plu a, I have to say, every week I try to say this word and I never get through it plu- plurality plurality of them are, are talking about how much you know they need to get in line and stop paying huge salaries they're not, but they're not talking about the salaries to the CEO they're talking about the pensions and stuff to the pilots and the other people uh, right right the That's people it. do the actual work yeah who who make the make it run yeah who made the planes fly. <laughs> for, for, for instance, just like like those those people, right? God forbid that you fly a plane for, but you fly a plane and land it safely. God forbid that you live um in your decline in years, you know, with just enough money to put cat food in your closet. No, that's too much. That's too good for you. You know, you should you should have nothing, right? Um, another thing I wanted to talk about today. Was I was um, reading this article? It's an alternate um, by a young lady called Sierra. She was saying she's one of those people. Um, she's apparently one of those quiverful <laughs> defectors. Oh, right? she's a defector. Okay, that's yeah. what I can. So yeah, so you know, uh, for those I can you, at least appreciate the fact that she got to have the cult. Yeah, you under, you, you want to explain what quiverful is or? Oh, quiverful. Let me see. That's basically a um, Jesus-driven lifestyle where the man is the head of the household. The woman is always subservient to the man, mm-hmm. and their entire life is to procreate yes. and make sure that the man is happy. And have a quiverful of children. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which, which, you know, I kind of agree with that. Yes, I'm, I'm glad to see you. Because uh, I'm a misogynist. You're ready, and <laughs> And since I'm going to be in a bad mood, I'm just going to be a misogynist in a bad mood, <laughs> which is which is a fairly ugly thing to be. Yeah, I would say that. I don't know how that would... Because I'm pretty sure misogynists are, generally speaking, unhappy people. Because every time they walk out, there's there's some woman out there who's not bending to his will. <laughs> well, I think what they do is they cover them up with hijabs and whatnot. And that kind of helps them. That does help a lot, though. Because every time you walk at your house and see a bunch of women covered up in hijabs and, you know, various billowing clothes. I don't know if... Well, yeah, that's... It that's does a, do a lot. No, it does show you, you know what, that that would satisfy some of your hatred toward women. Right. Also, when you walk at your house and you see that women are getting paid 77 cents in a dollar compared to men, that would make you feel better. You know, that would make you feel Yeah, fantastic. but you still have to talk with them. <laughs> and, and they're still out there uh, probably telling you that you're an asshole. And they're probably smarter than you, and that can't be a good thing. Well, listen, all, <laughs> all we can say is Sharia law come quickly, right? I I, I don't think those um those bigoted um you know, the male bigot conservatives they don't realize that Sharia law will give them considerable latitude in extending the um the hand of the the, the heavy hand of the bigotry to women who oh, are well, even is, in their household. Well, this is true because then you can rape the woman and she gets blamed for the rape, and then she gets even stolen. though she's covered in the hijab. Yeah, yeah. So this, but this young lady was talking about. It's funny enough, similar to that, she was saying this is what because I because it, a big thing in the quiverful thing is modesty and women have to dress in homespun uh, clothing and that kind of thing, right? right? And she was saying, which this, means no going to the beach, gentlemen. Oh no. <laughs> well, no, gentlemen can go. Well, no, sorry, gentlemen can go to the beach. <laughs> ladies, ladies, ladies can go right. in their fifties era bathing suit. And she said, she said, this is what the modesty thing taught her. She said, modesty taught me that what I looked like mattered most of all. Not what I thought, not how I felt, not what I was capable of doing, but what I looked like. Right? She said, modesty taught me that I was always on display. She said there was no there was no occasion which was acceptable to be immodest. 
She said once she had a blee, a bee fly down her t-shirt, right? And in flailing around to get it out, had a family member comment that I had just flashed my own grandfather. You know, and of course, bringing, she was horrified. She said she was horrified for the rest of the week because she felt guilty about flashing her grandfather. You know, you know, normal, you know, Christian beating down and suppression, you know, suppression and installing lifelong complexes. She said, modesty is not, it's not just about, not about dresses, about also moving like a lady. So you can't run. You can't go to the gym. You know, all, you know, stuff like that. Um, to go on. She said, modesty, um, told her that she was a decoration because everything in life was governed by whether or not a man was watching right she said because it told her that nothing she did more, mattered more than avoiding that sexual attention it made her objectify herself because she was aware of her own potential desirability at all times so she actually got a um was an anorexia right probably and she uh. lost she, she said she wanted to make herself look as androgynous as possible <laughs> so she was 20 pounds underweight oh for a lot of her life because, you know, she'd want to make herself sexually unappealing. Um, you know, and she, and she would just, and she went to make some serious points that I had never thought about any modesty thing. I, I just think about it from a point of view, like, why, you know, nobody should be oppressed. And, but I never, you know, she, of course, she lived through it for about 18 years and she was, the insight was, was extraordinary. Um, she said if a man loses a modesty, a modesty debate, nothing about his life changes. But if a woman, and if a man wins a modesty debate, nothing about his life changes. But if a woman loses a modesty debate, the entire fabric of her existence changes. And literally, fabric is a great word. <laughs> right? Right. But, um, so there was a fantastic, insightful article. I said it was on Alternet this week. Um, and the writer, her name was Sierra, oh, Sierra, sorry. Um, and she has a blog online. It's called The Unspoken Words, a non-profit message, which you can Google. And once again, I was just curious, so I went to the comments of that article. And bear in mind, alternate.org is a progressive website. And it just, you know, the thing is, if this is what stands for progressive thought these days. Like, I know there are trolls who come from the conservative websites, and they read it on the progress, and I don't know, I understand why they do that. Right? But they come and they read. And, you know, one of the first articles, one of the first commentators was... Um, let me look for it. What was it? The, one of the first comments was something about, oh, just an excuse for getting fat. Like the whole modesty. <laughs> like talking talk about the writers, all the stuff that the writer says about the modesty thing. This all, that whole thing that she just revealed there was just an excuse to justify why she got fat <laughs> when she got older in life. And that was about in the first three comments. I was like, what is wrong with you people? And a lot of sexes, uh, you know, look, look, oh, listen, there's another one, na natural things. I quite agree, agree that modesty rules far more of women's lives than men. But our society is hardly the worst. Now, is that germane or put into the conversation? Why are you in a, in a, in a dick measuring contest now with, with, with Islam? Right? Mm. And he started naming the chador and the burqa and the niqab and the hijab and other coverings in Muslims. This is not, listen, there's enough, there's no concern to me, having read this article, why, you know, the, comparing Christianity or modesty in our countries and the suppression of women in other countries, the suppression of women in Islam. I do not care if one woman in, in America or in San Antonio is being unfairly put upon. That is enough for me to have an issue with. Right, you know how how do you you know how does the comparison with with but is this rampant nationalism? Right, right. Which is, is I, you have to decry people. You, why do people cannot people separate themselves? It's just like when people cannot um, criticize it's, Obama. It's it's it, the tribalism. Right, it's stupidity. You, well, you know how how does you how does you how do I never understand how do they, how they expect that brand of loyalty to affect any change or any good. It's a, it's a positive feedback loop. Right? You as soon as you start to engage in self-defense you, you kind of lose the whole thread of the argument. Mitt Romney. Mm. Mitt Romney. Um, this, is, this is, I quote, I'm not looking to put money in people's pockets. And this is what he said. 
he was um where did he do this he was asked this question at some form or the other yeah it was, it was in the middle of a discussion at a campaign stop in iowa right um so he was touting his economic policies as being beneficial to the middle class and he was pointing out that they involve large corporate and estate, and estate tax cuts. And one audience member asked, it doesn't put money in my pocket. How does this have the middle class? Because right? Right. he was just touting, you know, of course, the, the old people don't crack here. Right. And this is what he said. And this is probably a Freudian slip because I don't think if he had time to write this down properly, he would have said it. But as I said, these Freudian slips expose a lot of what we're actually thinking. He says, I'm not looking to put money in people's pocket. That's the other party. But that is exactly... It speaks exactly true to what... Right. Well, well, he's not because, I mean, he's already stated his whole purpose is to get rich people to buy houses so that the poor people can live there. Now, we know everything he actually says, in fact, shows... Yeah, but I mean, I don't think Mitt Romney on his best day would have woken up and said, you know, this is what I want to go and say today. They are not here to put money, but it really is true. He, he's, they are not here to put money in the middle class's pocket. No. Yeah, that's another thing. It speaks to why um, a lot of people love Ron Paul and you know pretend you know that because they say Ron Paul is is wants to stop um, t- um, the drug war and he wants to stop the foreign ex- escapades and he wants and of course I acknowledge you know, anybody who wants to do those things. Right. I am firmly on the side. But then when you go to this. Um, Libertarian Utopia and Ron Paul and they advise when he wants to close down the um, education and he wants to get rid of the frowned um, laws that restrict corporations from repeating 2008. I know. I mean, or even uh, turn of the century. <laughs> right? Even even the industrial age where, you know, uh, things like what? The jungle and... And the civil acts and the civil acts law <laughs> right. and Doma. And and get, get rid of the EPA because yes. they're too stringent. Yes. It's like... You know. it's, I love these people because they claim to have... I think Ron Paul kind of claims to be sort of a historian type figure. Uh, certainly, certainly well, New Gingrich is. Of course he's no historian. Well, he's he's got a degree, but he's a political I think historian. He's a PhD in, in history, right? In history, but... But, but, I mean, but, 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 but very... But, all that means is he has a very specific take on history, and he doesn't really right. understand the broader picture of of social class and yeah, and, that, and yeah. class warfare and w- how we came from the industrial age and stopped the abuse of people who weren't rich, so that you know gave I mean, everyone is, a better life. That was what. Every, but listen, that has been the consistency um, throughout human history. If you really were into people, always. Before you could expand outward, right? You because the earth was largely uninhabited in times past when th- things got too heavy handed, right? right? You could go steal somebody else's land, right? And you go <laughs> a sector, you break away, which is how America was founded. And any revolution was also founded, then the, re- the revolution happened, right? Because you wanted to get out of England's yoke. You know, but yep. I just a history of my. When and, then, and then we moved across the United States by uh, what was it, what was it called? Eminent de- uh, genocide is the word I'm looking for. Well, I don't think through, that's what through you were the use for. through the use of genocide, but genocide. basically saying God wants us to fill up the entire, you know, go forth and multiply bullshit. Ooh. Guess what? We've multiplied. We have seven billion people right. on the planet. Right. So now there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> there are no more enclaves. So therefore. Then you start doing things like, you know what? Okay, so we have to fix things now without running away from them. We can't expand away from problems. And that's when you started things like, you know, outlawing aristocracy or making aristocracies largely, um, you know, of the figurehead variety, right? <laughs> because you want to, the whole thing is you want to remove concentrated power because whenever that happens, you start having a two-tier justice system and you start, you know, people, the poor people get judged one way. The rich people get judged in a way. have a tutored educational system. There's the stratification is so classified that people cannot emigrate from one um, strata of society to the other. You know, all those things are, are you know are concurrent, right? No, are, are concordant as um, as I with the concentration of um, power and money in one area. We, I want to make the point that socialism and communism and capitalism and democracy and all economic and political um, systems have the ability to end up with that sort of um, concentration of power, right? It, it, it does. 
and it has happened using every political system throughout history of time. Um, you could you could show that some it has been perverted at some point. So therefore, we yeah. have to have a constant vigilance. We have to have constant vigilance and form a yeah. constant. It's, a, it's an eternal war. It will never be that somebody will not try or some people will not try to seize power and sure. show a lineage of power because they want to their sons. That is why I have all Roberts. Who is the pastor of a church we've talked about before? <laughs> where mysteriously, of everybody else in the world, his son was the best suited to follow him in his ministry. Right? right? Like many other people. Oh, funny enough, Kim Jong Il's son. <laughs> was, I mean, Kim, Kim Jong Il was the best suited to follow his father. Right. Um, as he, you know, Kennedys. But, the Kennedys. Yeah. The Bushes. Right? But, but, but no, but, but I'm talking about people who were actually in charge of. <laughs> You know, but but right, it, right. well, um, but it, it, I mean, it follows that it's the same, it's the same type, same type of reason, yeah, same ex- except that you yeah. know they kind of have to convince people to vote them in. Yeah, I really don't know how Bush got in. Well, by stealing the two thousand elections, mm. I, I don't know why do people not even speak about this anymore. <laughs> that the election was clearly stolen. I'll go won the vote the, when the votes are counted. I'll go clearly was the winner. Yeah, you know the Supreme Court stepped in and did a little private overthrow. But why do people not speak about the truth? Why is there? Because there's nothing to be done about it. Gained by Unfortunately. It? All right. Well, I was having this conversation with somebody, and more and more, it's in the public um, it's in the public space that the comparisons between the Tea Party and Occupy Wall Street, and we, we hear people talk about we should the Tea Party and Wall Street should have some common points to unite around. You know, you know I, am I the only person? I can't be. I can't be the only person hearing these points, right? These points are being made. Well, yeah, right. Because yeah, there's 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 lots of things that they they want to say. I mean, that, that they're they're similar, but they have different different uh, methods to do it. Well, I do, I don't know if they have lots of things similar. I think they have very few things similar. Um, but I'm saying, but the, the common thread is the Tea Party and the Occupy and are different, and they. And my point is they are very different. And Naomi, Cla- Naomi Wolf, right, writing in, um, this is from The Guardian, UK, right, makes a fantastic, so these are the points. She, the point I'm making and is that the Tea Party is a fascist organiz- um, movement. Yes. And these are the things that make I'll agree. for a fascist movement. You invoke a terrifying internal and external enemy. And we don't have to talk about the Muslims <laughs> and is and terrorism. Do we need to go into that? And the raising and Bush and the consistently raising um the 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 the, the alert codes whenever they had a tough political situation going on at home. Obama and they whenever there's some some swing going on, they invoke fear. For example, Bloomberg. Look at Bloomberg in New York. Right after he ousted the people from Occupy Wall Street, they found the um. A very specious um, sort of a terrorist who even the FBI wouldn't wash their hands off of because the FBI said he was too um, incompetent to pursue. But um, the New York police and Bloomberg dragged um, a suspected terrorist and paraded him in order to bolster um, Bloomberg's flag and support in, in New York and stuff like that. But it's just the same response. We invoke terrorism whenever. So that's the enemy. Sure. Muslim, the Islam, Islam is the enemy, right? Among other things. So number two, we create a gulag, right? A prison system outside the rule of law. And boy, have we done it in spades. You, you want to call any particular institution that is doing that? Gary? No? No? You don't want to say? Mm, Guantanamo no. Bay? Yes. Mm, Guantanamo yes. Bay. All those rendition sites that we have in so many countries all over the world um, that we, you know, that people that the America deems to be, um, you know, inimical to their interests have been um, renditioned and or just kidnapped and been tortured by many of the despots all over the world. Um, that has happened. Also, within the United States, you have Bradley Manning and people like that who are being incarcerated and tortured, um, you know, through the form of um, isolationism and various forms of torture. But yes, we have the Gulag system firmly in place. Um, also, the killing of American citizens, which nobody else is talking about. But America has killed at least two American citizens and the hearsay of President Obama and his coterie of 
enablers and the Democrat and the left and the progressive are not speaking about it, but yeah. American citizens are being killed on the face of the president without recourse to trial. On by any sort of they, they're not, they're not, the crimes haven't been revealed. Right. In, so can, can you give us specifics on the people who are being killed by Obama? Who like Alad Alawai, the cleric, the American cleric who was killed. I think he was in Yemen. And his son was killed, who was only 16 years old. So he was a junior hmm. in American law. And he was not a, he has never ever carried out a material, uh, a physical act of terrorism. But Obama, they claim that they had information that says that he was actually helping plan stuff. For him. But he's an American citizen. Hmm. And the law prevents, the law is against that. The American law is against that. He was not given a trial. He was killed by drone attack. Hmm. And then his son was killed a couple of weeks later. Nobody's speaking about that. Well, it, it was spoken about, but nobody spoke about it with any outrage. Right. All right, so next one, you develop a thug cast. Well, they're assuming that Obama was 100% correct in his characterization of him. Yeah, which is... <laughs> Not a good thing to uh, assume. Right, because... Well, you because know. Obama's in power. Yeah. And even, I don't oh, know. sorry, not even in power. Pa- Obama is the figurehead of the power base. The figurehead. <laughs> and what I don't understand is why don't you realize eventually this will be used against you? What, how do you not understand? Even if you're just being selfish, let's be selfish. Right. Eventually, this will be used against me or somebody that I know, you know, somebody in my family, somebody that I know, somebody who takes my position, whether or not it comes on the right or the left, but somebody's going to come. And start, how do you think, you know, Pinochet and they were able to imprison labor leaders, etc.? Is eventually going to come from this left or the right? The both sides should be up in arms about this. Right. It's not, yeah. So develop a thug cast, a thug cast, right? Because you need people to carry out your bidding. So the black shirts roam the Italian countryside, the brown shirts state violent rallies throughout Germany, and the tea partiers, oh, sorry, I thought I was talking. Instead of reading history from 25 years in the future. Yeah, but that's what it, and well now, and my brown shirts are like the, you know, the, the police who are spraying and, you know, tear gassing and whatever the protesters occupy Wall Street. But they, they, they're de facto, um, paramilitary arm because if they dress like paramilitary, like paramilitary operatives, you know, some towns are actually buying tanks. I wish I'd say that story. Yes. What? There's this town I found that had purchased a tank. It was in the news last week and I didn't save it. But they purchased a tank. Why would they purchase a tank? Presumably to run over um, students in UC Davis when they link arms. Because the pepper spray didn't appear to be immediately efficacious. I don't know. Set up an internal surveillance system. Do we have that? Um, this, uh, Ms. Wilson, in Mussolini's Italy, in Nazi Germany, in Communist East Germany, in Communist China, secret police spy on ordinary people and encourage neighbors to spy on neighbors. Now, we have the wiretapping, clearly, right? The warrantless wiretapping, which was exposed in 2000, 2003. And the Bush administration and the Obama administration has expanded the wireless wiretapping, where everything you say and you do on the internet will become patients of, um, the internet companies is being recorded, right? So that's gone. Um, that was illegal at, at, at when they did it. The government sort of backdated some so, um, permission to allow them to so they could escape escape um, <laughs> prosecutability. Yeah, and it's going on bumps. It is you know it's going on bumps a daisy. Bumps bumps a daisy in what what happened. Also, increasingly, a um, lot of um, surveillance from overhead. Uh, satellite surveillance is going on country and we are also being um encouraged to if your neighbor looks suspicious he looks like a terrorist you know all that right. they're floating about oh sure yeah, yeah. there's a whole uh r- report report suspicious activity right especially if you don't like the person next door i'm yeah. gonna report my next door neighbor for a stupid yapping dog well it should coach it in terms of terrorism well it is terroristic <laughs> It's it's, well, it's Islam. It's torture. It's Islamic it's, terrorism. I mean, you well, they're not Islamic. Islamic. Problem with torture that much. You don't have a problem with torture. I don't think that would get you very far. Uh, you got to see Islamic. Yeah, that's true because we're we're all about the we're all about the audio yeah. torture. Uh, we're talking about Tampa, Florida. They they have a uh, a rescue amphibious 
amphibious rescue vehicle. And the city's tactical response team rolled it over to the Occupy Tampa protest earlier this month. Is a tank? That's what they had there? It's it's another one that was a tank. The yeah. one I'm talking about was the one in Florida. But it, okay. it's clearly a tank. The one I'm talking about. They just bought it and they were shooting off last week. But it was clearly a tank. I think, I think that's it. It's got to be that one. That's the only one that's in the news on Google anyway. Oh, wait. Test center. Oh, no. Armored. North Carolina. Never mind. All right. So, but if the fifth thing you can do is harass citizens groups. Right? It can be trivial. Right? Uh, anybody who gets together to protest anything that the government is doing. Somebody says something. A man writes an article in the newspaper. He gets harassed. And, you know, a reporter goes on TV and says, yes, harass citizens groups. Have we been... Um, arresting, well, detaining reporters that occupy Wall Street. Yes, we are. Keeping them from entering or even asking questions. Yes, do we have um, um, eco-tourism, um, eco-terrorism, I mean, eco-terrorism, <laughs> um, when you harass people from and infiltrate groups like Greenpeace, and it has been going on for steadily a for the last 10 years. Yeah. You know. Yes, so that's going on. Um, engage in arbitrary detention and release, which because it scares people. See, I think I think all that is that last one is it's it's a new form of fishing. <laughs> you capture them and then you, you let them go. That's what I think anyway. Catch and release. Yeah, it's catch yeah, and release. Nice. So it, right. it's it's a rich rich person's catch and release. Number seven, your target key individuals. Civil, threaten civil servants, artists, and academics with job loss if they don't toe the line. And that has been happening. People, well, um, NPR has been firing people left, right, and center <laughs> for attending Occupy Wall Street. A State Department official was, a fi- was fired last week um, for writing an article that was critical of the U.S. government. Um, under the Obama administration, the um, prosecution of whistleblowers has been more actively, um, I got more as we, as we more actively pursued than under any other administration in the past in America. So yeah, we going, you know, it's it's happening, yeah. right? Control the press. We need we need we say more about Occupy Wall Street. Well, speaking about in, intimidation, there mm-hmm. was just this this, this last week. Some girl in high school, uh, 18 years old, tweeted about yes. the governor. Uh, let me find that article. Um, the governor, and it was a oh, some governor Brown something Brown Bra- Brown back is Brown his name. Back, yeah. And Brown back, she I had think. 85 people that followed her. Right. And got, apparently they scan every single human being in that state. <laughs> oh well, I mean they're 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 just scanning Twitter, so it's not that big a deal because you can. Uh, yeah, that, no, that's big. That's a big deal. No, 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 then, no, 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 no. Them, my, my point is, them monitoring for Brownbeck's name isn't as big a deal as what they did when they found out that she said something bad about her. And so I, I completely understand them following tweets. And and social networks that that have his his name in it. Right. Okay, that's just a smart thing to do because if someone's saying something good, or something that's that's uh, has a good idea against the policy or why the policy is bad, then then they can follow that. But in this particular case, she just tweeted that he's what he's uh, told him he sucked. No. Yeah, that's a dude. Right. So and, she, she, and, said, she said she told him that he sucked. Yeah, if, effectively. But she, she didn't really. But she didn't really. No, 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 no. no. She, she used some different words. But but then Brownbeck and company uh, brought down the hammer against her, called her principal, and had the principal tell her to write an apology, a public apology. And she said no, and good for her. She should absolutely not have She's to apologize for that. She's a hero. And so, f- fortunately... Brownback apologized. And that's even better. Yeah, that's fantastic, right? I, I, I still don't have any respect for him. 
for, for because his his initial because what he did do is he didn't take responsibility for his actions. He said it was somebody else who was uh, overreacted. So my staff overreacted to this tweet, and for that I apologize. No, you shouldn't have even. It shouldn't even. You, it shouldn't have have even been an issue, right? He shouldn't. He just said, "Oh, someone dislikes me. That's a shame." So screw screw you, Brandeck. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't accept but your apology. He's fantastic. This couldn't possibly have helped him. No. And that's a good thing. Right. Get him out. And I realize also that the both points there, um, I was actually supposed to be reading points about why the Tea Party is fascist. And ah. I read points why America is um actually in the burgeoning state of fascism. But I equate all that is wrong about America with the Tea Party anyway, so that satisfies <laughs> it on both counts. Yeah, but we have a brown back there. The nice thing about that whole situation is poetic justice because the poetic justice is that brown back hurt his cause so much more. Yeah. Than he could have hoped. Uh, even if uh, even if he lost twenty five votes, you know, or just look silly, it, it is enough to to outweigh the, the uh, not to outweigh, but to reward his stupid action. Like, why would you do that? Why? How does that make sense in any world? <laughs> in, in any in any democracy, in any any society where they claim free speech. They cannot tell you to, to shut up, which is what the Tea Party does. <laughs> yeah. They, they try and censor anybody, basically saying that you, you know, you don't have the right to say it or some things are, are dangerous to say, except for the stuff that they say. No, really nothing is dangerous, should be dangerous to say that. I, I even, you know, even if you, you'd say racist shit about people, you should be treated to the rich, um, you know, reward of whatever public opinion there is right and fully exposed it and if your employer choose to fire you or whatever and if people start campaigns against your employer to get you fired but you should not be in any form or matter you should not be pursued by any form of censure like governmental censure or stuff like that you should see you know your, your, your freedom is freedom even if you don't like what a person says you should defend their right to say it which is you know that common that you know that that comments truism or whatever you know that people say you you have you have to you can't have piece of part or part of freedom you have you know it's, it's either all or nothing and right. i support whatever i actually i do i one thing i have to say i support the tea party being out there marching they, they should be out there you should sure. be out there Exp- expanding your viewpoint yeah expressing well even i don't know if they're expanding their viewpoint but i'm going to say expressing themselves <laughs> Same, expounding their viewpoints. Oh, 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 I said no, expanding. expanding. No, no, oh, they're yeah, not. Yeah. No, no, they they will yeah. not expand their viewpoint. And I don't. I also take issue with you saying <laughs> they, like expounding they, because whenever anybody asks them, "What are you here for?" There wasn't any expounding being done. No, no, no. It was, <laughs> they it was just racist. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just mad. Dude, it's amazing <laughs> how many of them said that I don't know why I'm here. Or your phone, they asked them one follow-up question, and they had it was amazing because you know they had all these things online on the um, on YouTube, etc. Yes, the Tea Party is horrible. Well, according to the New Republic, the Tea Party is not a movement; it's a myth that is a movement. Well, what's the well? What's the definition of a movement? I don't know, but John B. Judas mm-hmm. says it. Uh, the common misconception is that it is not a movement. So let's see what he says. In the front page story on the Washington Post, Amy Gardner wrote that the Tea Parties are not so much a movement as a disparate band of vaguely connected gatherings that do surprisingly little to engage in the political process. I don't know that that's surprising. So Gardner sats the, cites the lack of a common platform, the lack of common national candidate, and the absence of a single dominant national organization. The Tea Parties, the author suggests, are a much weaker brew than commonly thought. And yet, they managed to get Bachman into They got Congress. apparently 60-something people elected. Was yeah. It, was it was about 80-something Tea Partiers in, in, the, um, in, the, in the house? No, that, listen, that analysis, that person, right? You know, it's like, for example, is saying you, 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 
you take a 1920-25 person, right? Somebody came out of a time capsule from 1925. And they asked them to... Um, oh, so by to, the way... Uh, I, I misread that. The Tea Party is not a movement. In other words, he's saying it is yeah, a movement. Yeah, I thought, yeah, that's okay. what, I thought that's what you said. Sorry, no, and but, my, my, my brain, it didn't come out right. No, <laughs> I, I think you said, the first, the first thing you said was that it's not a movement, but I'm saying, huh. but you take somebody and ask them, what's the definition of communication in 1925? And you ask somebody now, what's the definition of communication? In the essence, communication hasn't changed, but the definition will change. Because it's you know it's the, it's seen through the lens is through the okay. lens of your time right so therefore now when you talk about the Tea Party nobody talking about the Tea Party has no one national agenda and it's stupid if if you doing it if the definition of a movement is that you have to have a national agenda no that's wrong no, the Tea Party clearly was a movement you yeah. know it was a movement and they have a they have a, a concerted world view, world point and a concerted world view they consistent throughout. You know, wherever, throughout whatever city or state that they're from, every and everybody, every individual has different viewpoints, and then therefore every little group of individuals have different viewpoints and expand that. But that doesn't say they, they clearly um, move the um, the discussion, the political discussion, to the right or into the, uh, heavily into, to the right, <laughs> right into the lunatic <clears throat> right. They clearly got candidates elected. They they got and they did it at the grassroots level in a lot of Republican they, they, right. because they deliberately attacked. From grassroots level, every point that person made there could be refuted. They didn't have a national candidate, so why was Sarah Palin? Is why Sarah Palin become a national <laughs> figure? And not, it's not just because um, McCain, uh, what's his name? McCain. McCain brought her into, brought him as a president, vice president. No, I think I think it is. I don't think that she would have gained any traction had she not been put in the public spotlight when. Wait, as the vice president. Yeah, but would, but would she have cabinet. stayed in the public spotlight and become that multi-millionaire figure that she is now and pontificating on Fox News? Ah. Had she not seized the, the Tea Party momentum and rhetoric and, and ridden it like a, a bull? Well, yeah. Like, I don't know. A, I, can, a, I can see what you're saying. A mechanical bull in a bar and speed one. That's exactly what she did. Would not... Right. I, I'm saying, yes, McCain brought into the spotlight, but she would not have been anybody. Neither would Michelle Bachman. Right? It wouldn't have been. That is why, actually, it's a big reason the Tea Party is right now, why the Republican nominee will have problems getting elected against an anemic Democratic president who has very little, who has very thin support on the left in a horrible economy. Right? Obama should be chicken fodder. It should be chicken feed. <laughs> but because of the Tea Party and their demand that in order to get a primary candidate from the Republican side, that Republicans must adhere to their crazy crackpot Tea Party theories, when it comes to the general election, is they're gonna have problems because it's things, the statements that their candidates made in order to win the Tea Party nomination, to win the Republican primary is gonna come back and bite them in their respective behinds on the national stage. You know, the Tea Party has made a big difference. Oh, and, and one more thing. You know, um, I don't know if you listeners are, on Gary, if you're aware of Greg Palast, one of the best investigative I, reporters on the field. Uh, no, you, you mentioned him what, last week or the week before. But Greg Palast made one point um, that I find to be so true. When we keep talking about the weak economy that we have, he says, he says especially in the United States, the economy is not weak. He said there's nothing bad <laughs> wrong with the United States economy. He's okay. the problem. No, no, no. He says the problem is the theft or the money transfer is the problem in the United States. The <laughs> money transfer from one point one day to the other day was where the problem was, and it, it makes sense. It makes sense. He, listen, and, and he, he, what the rich people can't get it from their bank. He, he laid out a another? list. He laid out a list of the people who were formerly worth like f- half a million and one billion, exa- and then they triple and doubled their, their their wealth. And it was a huge, a fantastically huge list of real of real wealth that got transferred around that time. He says the the problem is the United States economy is weak. There's enough money in the United States economy, right? If it was probably a proportion, not, I'm not for a socialist, but I'm talking about if it, it was that, you know, if things were probably a proportion, that it is the, the economy is not weak, but it is a, a shocking transfer of wealth. And he named a lot of businessmen, like one called the Vulture, 
um, who specializes in making, um, in buying the debt of African countries and then selling it back and then bankrupting the countries and demanding that they pay him back billions of dollars. Right. Um, he says he, when pre the crash 2008, he only had $1 billion. Um, after the crash, now he has $4 billion in wealth. <laughs> and he named and called it, there's a whole list of them. And, and, and that is ex- exactly true. The point is, there, there is no, where did the money disappear to? Which is what we don't understand. The, the world is, is, a, is like a circular, is a system, is a circular system, right? It is a circular system. Because money doesn't leak out into, into, into nowhere, right? You can't just add money and, and, and subtract money from the global, from the global system. So obviously the money is, 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 is somewhere, in some repository somewhere. And Bloomberg, was another person who only had, I think, about three, three billion or something like that. And then he, after the crash, he jumped up to about seven or eight billion. The money is, is, has gone somewhere. Right. Except that, but he says, he said it's not a bad economy. It is money that was stolen and transferred from the greater part of people into the coffers of, of the upper. Of the upper reaches and and and, and true yeah. true and, and let's deal in terms of true value because of course it's a bubble and the value is inflated but when I, whenever a bubble bursts and he says this, and this and this is history it always happens whenever a bubble bursts some people get very very rich right now when the bubble bursts the appearance of having of the earth having some aggregate of like let's say two hundred trillion dollars the real value of things isn't two hundred trillion the real value of things might be one hundred trillion right. When the bubble bursts and we go back down to the hundred trillion true value of the things on earth. At that point though, the true value has gotten transferred. A lot of the true value has gotten transferred from the poor and the middle class up into the coffers of the very wealthy. And they always come out better. So I just want to make a point. The weak economy thing is buying into because everybody isn't suffering. No, of course not. Uh, we're gonna have to take a break. <clears throat> Are we gonna wrap up now? No, you want to hear this? Oh, okay. All right. So uh, <laughs> I had to read this. Apparently, Andre was aware of this, but was going to let us stew in our own filth and not mention anything. I was planning to leave to, before to all to all half of you who are listening to this. I was planning to leave before the law got um, enacted. So. So, so it's gonna affect me anyway. They, they can do fuck all to me right now. Well, you know? right, yeah. They, they don't have any reason uh, not to arrest you. So uh, this is through. The, I'm gonna read the the small one from Boing Boing. Uh, ACLU.org has it, and Washington Post also wrote this up. Um, actually, Washington Post wrote it up on the 15th of this month. So Washington Post is ahead of the game. Uh, so November 23rd for ACLU mm. and today for Boing Boing. So let's do this. The Senate is going to vote on whether Congress will give this president and every future president the power to order the military to pick up and imprison without charge or trial civilians anywhere in the world. Even Representative Ron Paul raised his concerns about the NDAA detention provisions during last night's Republican debate. That would be Monday night's debate. The power is so broad that even U.S. citizens could be swept up by the military, and the military could be used far from any battlefield, even within the United States itself. The worldwide indefinite detention without charge or trial provision is in... Senate Bill 1867 and the National Defense Authorization Act Bill, which will be on the Senate floor on Monday, which will be yesterday. The bill was drafted in secret by Senators Carl Levin, Democrat from Michigan, and John McCain, Republican from Arizona, and passed in a closed-door committee meeting without even a single hearing. I know it sounds incredible. New powers to use the military worldwide, even within the United States. Hasn't anyone told the Senate that Osama bin Laden is dead and the president is pulling all the combat troops out of Iraq and trying to figure out how to get combat troops out of Afghanistan, too? Okay, now it's just being rhetorical. So, to summarize, uh, we're fucked. Everybody <laughs> can get arrested without recourse to trial 
or recourse to habeas corpus or anything like no, that. Right. You no, can just habeas get corpus. The, the right to habeas corpus is endemic to our rights as U.S. citizens. Yeah, that's, you have to have the body. You can't just hold people indefinitely. Now, with the Patriot Act, they already got rid of that anyway. Uh, because they can just charge you with terrorism and hold you until they get their facts straight. But now... But now, they can actually go to war on the United States. So, you know what? I think I'm going to start buying some munitions. <laughs> Deployment of the military. Because that's, that, to me, it reads as if they can deploy the military on American soil. It, it, isn't it part of it really like that? You can deploy the military right. on American soil. So now... Instead of just the National Guard, you can bring actual units in and like, okay, occupy Wall Street, and let's drop 500 soldiers there. With, right. You know, yeah, because it's not it's not the police's uh, job to pepper spray; it's the military's job to blow up, <laughs> to bulldoze. <laughs> so yeah, that's I I read this yesterday, and I was I said I would I didn't I was going to speak about it. I think when they passed it, because I fully expected them to pass it though. Yeah. Now there there is a provision that the ACLU says is there the Udall amendment or Udall amendment Udall, uh, which is uh, no uh, they'll say no to indefinite detention without charge or trial anywhere in the world where any president decides to use the military. What is indefinite? What is indefinite? Right. Exactly. Yeah, before you die. So they'll let you out before you die. <laughs> Fuckers. By the way, on a cherrier note, human case. Oh, it says, it tries to take the politics out and put American values back in. What? <laughs> That's what the Udall Amendment does. So. I don't want any fucking amendment here. I don't want an amendment. I want everybody I don't want this in the world bill. Got arrest- who gets arrested to have a trial and have a trial immediately and the charges to be brought before court. And listen, and then if you don't have any charges, you don't get arrested. You know, the, the normal shit, shit that used to be. That, all the good stuff that worked, that probably wasn't done in practice, but, you know, that was on the books at least. And look, oh my god. <laughs> I, as I said, it doesn't matter what side of spectrum you're on. If I'm you're, disgusted. if you're progressive, I can't see how you don't think a Republican overlord is not going to use this. And if you're a conservative, I can't see how you don't think this is the first step towards communism or some sort of, you know, autocrat like that. It doesn't matter what side you're on, you should be fearful and disgusted by this. If you're on the side of Herman Cain, what you should go and do is seduce another... Listen, Herman Cain certainly does get around. Is this the latest lady, the 14-year 14, um, 14 or 13-year affair with Ginger White, I think her name is? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Is this yeah. one? Yeah, for, for 13 years, 12, yeah, whatever. Listen, oh, no, he's he's denied that. Come I like, on. I, like, I believe he's denied. I'll comment on one of the stories Sam said. Um, the next thing I do, she is going to... Um, Slam a pizza through his back door window in order to rescue him when he runs into a fire hydrant. <laughs> Which is making um, reference to the fact that apparently Herman Cain and Tiger Woods both apparently only sleep with white women. So that was the Tiger Woods thing to bring it into um Herman Cain thing. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so, yeah. so but he said he's going to slam a pizza through the um back door window when Herman Cain runs into a fire hydrant in the golf club. <laughs> And by the way, there are a lot of nasty comments, so regard, in regard to that particular issue on the um, human key and apparently and white woman, a lot of comments on the, um, on the blog, which apparently is true, though, because every single woman was... I think his wife did was actually recorded as saying, human Keen has not laid a hand on one black woman. I'm witness. <laughs> Is that that's a new thing now? Herman Cain has never harassed one solitary black woman. <laughs> All right, folks. This is I think that's week. it. Yeah, you have a good week. I'm going to have a very busy weekend. Yay!
Cheers. If you enjoy injudicious ramblings, leave a review at iTunes or send us an email at injudiciousramblings at gmail.com or at injudiciousramblings.blogspot.com. The theme was written and recorded by Oscar Lawrence.